welcome to the Messianic Folklore Podcast. Theological reflections and sound art on sacred text, embodied life, resilience and radical imagination. My name is David Benjamin Blower and this is a free podcast made possible by its supporters. Please get involved at davidbenjaminblower.substack.com or at patreon.com forward slash davidbenjaminblower to gain access to all kinds of behind-the-scenes treasures and what have you. Grace and peace. We are learning to love the roots of the mountains from which we were birthed and to which we return. We all slowly are making our peace with deep time layers in the rocks resting. Pierced with drills for our transgressions By the dull machinery of the Roman peace Late in this golden age of Caesars Princes of privilege on inherited seats Sons of the oil gods, listless But we are learning to love the deep. The messianic idea is something that has developed over a long time in all kinds of directions. Before it was fixed on the coming of uh, some messianic figure who would arrive and make everything right, it existed in a less specific sense. It dwelt in the belief that the creator writes things, and so everything gets balanced out in the end and that's just how it is that's a law of nature or a law of supernature one day everything would be made right and so everything could be understood in the light of this imagined writing whatever was going on a person could look at it and ask well is this how it be when everything is made right and the answer might be I don't think so Or it might be, yes and amen, let's have this all day long. Of course, not everyone agrees about what the world made right would look like. But even so, it provided a kind of framework for thinking about things and a way of seeing 
imbalances of power in the world and interpreting such things. There's an anthropologist called Vittorio Latinari, and he wrote a book called The Religion of the Oppressed about messianic groups of uh, various kinds from different places in the world. Why is it the religion of the oppressed? Because it was nearly always the powerless and the oppressed who longed for a different kind of future. The princes and the rulers of the world didn't want change, they wanted everything just as it is. They didn't want the valleys lifted up and they didn't want their mountains brought down low. Here are some words from about two and a half thousand years ago. In the wilderness prepare a way for the one who is and will be. Make straight in the desert a highway for God. Every valley will be lifted up and every mountain and hill brought low and all people see it together. A voice says cry out and I said what shall I cry? All people are like grass. Their constancy is like the flower of the field. The grass withers and the flower fades. Get ye up to a high mountain. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand, marked off the heavens with a span, enclosed the dust of the earth in a measure, and weighed the mountains in scales and the hills in balance? Even the nations are like a drop from a bucket. They are counted as dust on the scales. All the nations are as nothing. They are counted by him as less than nothing, an emptiness. Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sits above the circle of the earth, and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers, who stretches out the heavens like a curtain, and spreads them like a tent to live in, who brings princes to naught, and makes the rulers of the earth as nothing. Scarcely are they plied, scarcely sown, scarcely has their stem taken root in the earth when he blows upon them, and they wither, and the tempest carries them off like stubble. Lift up your eyes and see who created these, who brings out their host and numbers them, calling them all by name. Not one is missing. Why do you say my way is hidden, my right is disregarded? Have you not known, have you not heard? The one who is and will be is everlasting, the creator of the ends of the earth, who does not faint or grow weary, whose understanding is unsearchable, 
who gives power to the faint and strengthens the powerless. Even youths will be faint and weary and the young will fall exhausted, but those who wait for the one who is and will be shall renew their strength. These verses are taken from Isaiah chapter 40. This is the opening of a long, long poem which rolls on for 16 chapters. It was written to lift the spirits of a migrant community who were displaced by war and looking for a way home. There are two things about it that grip me, perhaps in relation to our present strange moment. For one thing, the poem is full of language that kind of diminishes the human story. People are like grass, like flowers, they wither, they fade. This is um, all quite at odds with the anthropocentric worldview of Enlightenment modernity, which sees the human story as the, uh, the main event. Under modernity, nature is a word we use to describe everything besides ourselves everything which sort of fades away into the distant and thin margins. In this poem, however, the humans are like grasshoppers. God is associated with deep time and with the vast material universe. This is supposed to be a poem of comfort. Is it comforting? Is the smallness and brevity of our place in the universe comforting? These days I sense that more and more people really do take comfort in the more than human world uh, which is vast and alive and resilient and much bigger than we are. There is a surprising hope in the slow realization that this human-centric world produced by the machinery of modernity is a passing thing. When the machinery becomes monstrous, it becomes easier to understand why the messianic imagination would fix its gaze on a time when the humans don't rule creation, but have learned to live as part of it. It's not so terrible to be small. From deep time, our power structures and hierarchies look foolish. The nations are a drop in a bucket, less than nothing. The one who sits over the circle of the earth brings princes to naught and rulers of the earth to nothing. There's a way of thinking about power here. It remembers the truth that deep time overthrows every regime. And so deep time becomes the friend of the oppressed. The long memory of land is a home to the powerless. 
by remembering with nature and becoming embedded in it as a whole. The oppressed find a way to outlast the belligerent powers. Here is a grassroots folk culture that ties in the experience of everyday people with a natural world that outlasts the power hierarchies that bear over them. Of course, there are other things. This is just one way of thinking, held in a web of threads, but it's something, and I begin to relate to it these days. And then there's that word that almost never sounds appealing or interesting or exciting. The word wait. Waiting is not always the thing. Sometimes everything is at fever pitch and the Messiah is about to appear and the walls are about to fall and it's time to be brave and to sell all you have and give it to the poor. To sit in the street and get arrested. To tell the truth undiluted without blinking. And then at other times, most times in fact, the world is long and slow and perhaps hard and unjust. These are the times to hold your nerve, to take care of each other, time to survive, time to be resilient, gather your embers, keep your integrity and work hard to not be corrupted by the slow wearing and twisting of the world. These are times to wait and play the long game. Revolutionary patience, as Cheb Myers called it. When we lean into the deep time of God, we make our home in a time that outlasts the powers, the princes and the extractive systems of the age. Sometimes I suspect we are obliged to live in both kinds of time at once, the state of emergency and the long game. Honestly, when I think about deep time, I think about death. It's not an easy thing for my heart to rest into. There's a lot of death down there. And there's plenty of deep time without us in it. But this poem sees deep time as drenched in God, in miracle, in blessedness ancient heavenly bodies named by God, primordial oceans held in God's hand, 
with all the soil of creation, perhaps in feeling a kind of empathy and belonging and welcome in this more than ancient, more than human creation, perhaps then we might feel a little less anxious attachment to this age of the humans which is defeating itself. This is about folklore and folk culture, a messianic folk culture. Perhaps we can exercise the kind of messianic imagination that views this great creature as home, as the place of our belonging, even after all that is done to it.
Grace and peace, kith and kin. Go lightly.